Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We have a special bonus episode for you today. We talked to Willie Whitelaw, the social media lead of the New England Revolution. If you are on social media, you have probably interacted with Willie before, either through his personal account or through the team's social media accounts. If you aren't on social media or don't know who he is, you'll be a fan of his by the end of the podcast, I promise you. There's no Twitter account needed to enjoy this conversation. Uh, We had a great talk with him about working in social media, how he ended up with the revolution. We also got some great stories uh, from his time with Rayo OKC, New York Red Bulls 2, where he worked, uh, how he got into soccer. Uh, And we also find out what the meaning behind that Carla's Heel tweet with no caption from last January meant. I know it was very cryptic to a lot of our listeners who are on Ref's Twitter, so you guys have that to look forward to as well. There's no outro in this episode, so I'll remind everyone here to support us by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We are available on all platforms. And while you're there, please rate and review us. You can also follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap and like our Revolution Recap Facebook and Instagram pages. And of course, you can follow Willie on Twitter at WhiteLaw827. And we talk about kits midway through this episode. Willie is a big kit collector. He gives a shout out to Galaco Kits. So if you want to check them out and add to your personal collection, I've left their website in the show notes of this episode. So please check them out there. With all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Willie Whitelaw. Joining us now on Revolution Recap, uh, very excited to have the Revolution social media lead, Willie Whitelaw with us. Willie, how's it going today? Hey guys, it's going well, going well. Just having a good, good evening here. Uh, happy to join you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Like we, we really appreciate it. We uh, love getting this opportunity to talk to you. For our listeners that might not know, what is your role exactly with the New England Revolution? Yeah, cool. Uh, so social media lead basically breaks down into basically whatever you see on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, all the social media, yeah. Yeah, all the social media. Uh, it's posted by me <clears throat> 99% of the time. I hit the post button. And then, yeah, I travel with the team a little bit uh, most of the time this year, uh, cover things on the road, try and give you guys as much uh, access. Um, you know, have a great team that I work with as well, videographers, photographers, everybody that makes the machine run. Awesome. Yeah. It's a little bit curious because I know you're not necessarily from the New England area, but how did you end up with the revolution? Yeah. So um, my background's pretty, uh, you know, soccer centric. Uh, my bio would say that I'm a pretty avid tweeter, you know, on the hashtag mm-hmm. or just out in the realm of sports. <clears throat> so, yeah, basically, what was it? I think funny fun fact, I joined the Revs. Uh, two weeks before the world shut down. So I think the end of February last year, 2020. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously started, worked at MLS a couple of years previous with Red Bull and a couple other places. And then, uh, yeah, the opening um, opened. And uh, Kohal, I've, I've known a little bit in the past. I've sent some guests and stuff, you know, here to the stadium for games in years past, influencers, celebrities. And yeah, it uh, just became a good fit. Um, I said, yeah, sure, I'd love to join the Revs. Obviously, tiny bit of a little reboot, uh, you know, refresh with Bruce, DPs, uh, on the field type stuff. Project really uh, excited me. 
And yeah, I was like, let's do it. Let's uh, come up here and, uh, you know, try and run run the show on the social side. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a whirlwind, I think, since since you've been here uh, nonstop. Yeah. It's been yeah. a year like any like unlike any other, I should say. Um, and it's just hurdle after hurdle. And I think you've been handling it so well. It's kind of crazy you've only been with us since 2020 because I, I feels like you've been with us forever, but it's just been the last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I tell I tell everybody I say, like you know, if you have job experience, you should be able to count 2020 for two years. Yes. And what yes. you do, like absolutely, you, you you could do a plus one on there. And actually, funny, this uh, the recent home opener was only the second game that I've ever seen the fan base in that stadium. So. Pretty neat, special feeling uh, this past weekend. Well, speaking of the team, I mean, what do you think of the team's chances this year? Uh, how are you feeling about the 2021 season? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm a big soccer guy, uh, big MLS stan, so to say. Uh, nice, nice. Big jersey collector, whatever, you know, in Champions League, go MLS. Uh, yeah, but I think the, the team is positioned really well. Obviously, I think the just pretty main narrative is trust in Bruce. Uh, which he's never given anyone a reason not to on the domestic side, <clears throat> you know, with so many championships and how he builds a team. And, yeah, I think, you know, all the way from the top, from scouting, Kurt Anolfo, really anybody, right? They just have been trying to dig up gems uh, around the world scouting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think we've kind of they, – they've put that roster together. And I – you know, obviously 2020 – Totally difficult year. You know, you had Carlos injured and stuff, right? Which, uh, you know, he's he's the the leader, captain, magician. Um, so, yeah, it became a tough year in terms of playmaking. But I think, as is every, like, you know, everybody's narrative, everybody knows, uh, towards the end of last year, uh, became super fun from the playoff run to everything. So, uh, I think with the roster that we have, it's just depth, depth, depth in, like, every position. And I think you see that. I think even the the guys that have been promoted from uh, Revs 2 are, mm-hmm. you know, pretty solid and, and, and really have made, like, a, a good impression, I think, on everybody. So that excites me. Like I said, a part of, like, coming here was totally, like, you know that Bruce is going to do his thing and put a great team together and he can coach and these guys can play. And uh, I think you guys saw that, right, in 2019. Yep. Uh, I was not around, but I was a – you know, viewer from afar, and I was like, wow, that's like, oh, that's cool, man, like, it's got a new buzz, a new feel, uh, so I totally feel that, I think, you know, we got some MLS media pundits that also agree with us, you know, as Dark Horse, I don't know, you know, what they think, but, um, yeah, I think it's cool in-house, we're, we're all really excited, we we love watching the team uh, compete, and it's like, you know, you really go into every game, and you really feel that, like, we have more than a puncher's chance. At least from my, my purview. Jump back a little bit. You said talking about how uh, you joined right before the pandemic hit. And then, of course, with the pandemic, we had um, the MLSS back tournament going down to Orlando. Uh, I know I just found out now that you did not get to go with the team. But uh, do you have any any stories about that whole that whole process, how everything played out? How was it, you know, being left behind and getting to control the social media content for a team that's, uh, you know, 1,500 miles away. Yeah, that was that was an interesting time. I mean, uh, like I said, when I joined, it was two weeks. We had the Montreal uh, game on the road, uh, that game, and then we did the Chicago Fire opener. And then, you know, a couple of days later, 
NBA, Utah Jazz, all that other stuff, and then you saw everything come to like a screeching halt, and I was like, wow, this is like, this is interesting, right? It's like almost one of the first times in my career where, you know, everything's grinded. I think anybody's really career, but grinded to like a halt, and you were like, wow, like what is content? Like what can we do? Like, and I think with fans too in general, like what did you want to see? What did you not want to see? Yeah, and as you see with other things, right? It's like some people just really tuned out from sports and and things, and we're like, you know, obviously there's way bigger things than sports going on in our lives when we were all really trying to figure out, you know, what this virus was and stuff like that. So, you know, when it came to the bubble, it was like great, like we have like a a, a goal in sight of like return to play, right? We know that like this is going to be like a little, you know, mini thing that's hopefully going to bring everybody joy. And, and obviously it brings us who work with the team joy to see the guys back on the field, staying safe uh, and just playing games. Right. Luckily, you're right. I wasn't in Florida. Uh, I think it was more a little bit just obviously uh, like a like a staff amount of things. You know, there was only a certain amount of a travel party that was allowed in that bubble down there. Mm-hmm. And obviously some guys that were way more familiar with the team, been here a much longer time, were like, hey, going to go down there and really tell the story and shift the narrative. Because I think it was funny. I don't I don't know that I even truly met the team like by that time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Montreal was such a whirlwind, you know, one practice, two practice. They, they went over there. And then I think the like the home opener, it was again, it was just a couple of handshakes coming off the field. But never like did I get to like um, you know meet most of the guys. So down there it was just more like using my time to figure out who who's on the roster. You know, obviously I know soccer in general, but like all right, how are we gonna frame it? Wow, you know. And then everything comes to life, right? With like Matt Turner being a baller, you know, yeah. Carlos Carlos going out a little bit early. So that was like the beginning of the like oh stink, you know, like this is what we looked with with him. This is what we looked without him. And then, yeah, I think just in general, um, you know, I don't know that there was really many, many like noteworthy stories. I have some family here locally um, in Massachusetts and like Sherburne, Dover area that have lived here 25, 30 years. So I was with them the first uh, couple months of the pandemic. So uh, it was just, yeah, waking up every morning and then some of the early ones. Right. I think we had like one 9 a.m. <laughs> 9 a.m. game. Right. So yeah. like. Oh wow, you know, we weren't. I wasn't really going anywhere. You know, my family was pretty strict with lockdown, uh, with just about everything. So <clears throat> it was more wake up, drink coffee, eat some breakfast, cover a 9 a.m. game, you know, and do it. Yeah. Too, too. Uh, it was, you know, quite an experience. You know, that I don't know that like we'll ever see, uh, in terms of like time slots as a as a like you know maybe the World Cup if it's in a different time zone where you guys are up at the crack of dawn you know, right. going, to, going to watch games and do stuff like that. Uh, hopefully we don't experience anything quite like, uh, you know, the, the whole 2020 year and the whole need for that MLS is back tournament. But I love the fact, though, that we had sports on at different times. It was almost like a reward after spending two months of having nothing but like soccer from Belarus and table tennis that we had like bonus soccer on every single day. And then like the random morning game, like, I mean, I'm sure this probably goes beyond, you know, just the revolution content, but I think that was a great advertisement for MLS that there was always something on every single day for them. I agree. I agree. I think it was one of the things that like, you know, those morning game, nighttime games, I was watching them because I'm like, you're right. I'm watching the K league at one o'clock in the morning 
on ESPN because that was the only baseball league in the world on. And then I was waking up and watching MLS. And then, you know, it was just, you know, I'm a sports junkie myself. So it's like whatever's on, I'm watching. You know, that $5.99 a month for ESPN Plus, I'm in. Well, and it being in a rat that like a World Cup style format too, it really emphasized the importance of games. So it was like I don't know, every single day, especially in the second, third week, you still had really important games going on. So I wish they had brought back the MLS's back tournament. We, you know, I, but anyway, I digress. Moving on, I, talking about the media team, you touched on it earlier, but you know, we had the likes of uh, Curtis Burke, Jeff Lemieux, Elizabeth Pahoda. At least that's who we see from the social media side and uh, from the website side. But I'm sure there's plenty of other people behind the scenes that help make it all work what's it like working with such a a versatile team like that yeah big time i think that's too like what you get to know when you come to like a different organization and you know i think mls varies in terms of like uh staff size and stuff like that but yeah we we have a great team here like like i said you know curtis because he's on social media you know he obviously it's good he shares his own stuff he creates some really class quality work uh, you know, and I think the coolest part, too, for some of them is also that, like, they grew up fans here, right? Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, his family is a longtime Revs family, right? Uh, so that's, like, an even cooler part where, like, I can pull up, you know, from 10 years ago. I think he showed me, you know, like, a picture with, you know, Charlie Davies or something else, right? Like, you know, of guys where you're like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Matt Reese or something, right? And you're like, oh, wow, you know, like, you, you were really, like, a fan long before this. Same thing with Jeff. Yep. Um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, like when you have the video department, we also have one more, Meryl, uh, who's just a Twitterless. Uh, but, yeah, she, she also helps a lot in that, um, <clears throat> you know, department. And then uh, my boss, I have one, which is Jason. Uh, you may or may not see him uh, on some things. And he's been here a long time as well. So, yeah, from that, like I said, I think we have like almost every inch covered um, in terms of like what we want to do. And like I said, you know, as – I think in my career, when you win, when you're doing well, it makes the job so much easier to storytell, right? So I think I've kind of only known that uh, here. And then throughout my other previous stops in my career, I've actually never missed the playoffs uh, with any team that I've ever been with uh, on any level. So that's kind of, I'm a little spoiled. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think that's awesome, right? Because like I always have something to look forward to when it hits the playoff months. Uh, and then, you know, obviously towards the end of last year, you know, it was like, all right, what are we going to be by, you know, what are we going to do like the playing game? And I think like, you know, you kind of always knew like, cool, as long as you get in, as long as these guys are healthy, like we've got a shot. So from the, from the media aspect, I think like, you know, it's refreshing, right. To just, you know, wake up most days, try and tell different narratives as new guys come in, as new stars emerge, as new, you know what I mean? Like even the yep. emergence of Tejan, wow, that's like a whole nother chapter and story to like tell, you know what I mean? Because he's just like, you know, an emerging young star, right? And I think that's the really cool part about what Bruce and his staff does too, right? It's like, realistically, they do develop players, right? Like, first and foremost, he develops winners. And I think that's what you see with anybody that comes back from EJ to Ima, Boateng. But like, he also develops guys, right? Like, to be you know, integral parts of a team, uh, which is also like a, a super cool side to see. That's awesome. And then uh, talking more on like the social media side too, I know engagement is very important to you, but it, it's it's so important to the point where, you know, even troll commenters and, um, you know, follow back Wadman, 
commenters. It makes you happy. It puts a smile on your face. But <laughs> I, ha- I have to know, has there ever been like a, a generic trolling instance that like really gets under your skin? Like what I want to know what those stories yeah. are. I'll be, I'll be, really I'll be completely honest with you. You know, when I come into a new team, which I have here, yeah. I really like, I have like, I set myself up with like a mini NSA, right? So I got TweetDeck, which is like the jewel of the social media, you know, surveillance. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously you put keywords, you put players, I have columns, I have, you know, uh, certain individuals, whatnot. And I so like, I think I build that out. Like I think now I have like 40 columns um, on a, like a daily basis that like, you know, I just make sure I scroll through once or twice a day, see if something comes in, see if somebody hashtagged revs instead of any or stuff like that. But yeah, I'm a, so I set myself up in that way. And I don't really think that like, you know, I see like a lot of what the chatter is. And it, but of course, as you become a better team, as you become more integrated into the Boston market, it's great. Like the end of last year, everybody was talking about us. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, as a part of like what I do and some mandates that I have is more like, hey, like get us involved in the conversations, engage with media personalities or not. The trolls, to be honest, I really do leave them alone. Uh, you're never really going to get under my skin. The mute button is also like a really handy thing. I think, you know, Facebook, I think in general is just like, the toxic platform of all so like i really try not to go down the well of facebook for like mental health purposes and like really just like (laughs) that would probably be like the more like upsetting ones when like you know in this moment of like racial justice and stuff there was just some really really bad stuff in there you know which is to be expected on facebook um but yeah that would be the only one that would really throw me off but like soccer in general or displeasure with subs or acquisitions or injuries or gameplay it really doesn't i'm just i'm glad people are invested in the team and want to talk about it 24 7 and find like these little communities on the web and i think that's great and i think like that's how i run my personal profile as well as to really see like what the supporters what the bloggers what all you guys are really talking about and try and say like, okay, is there like a piece of content, or is there something that we can fit and create, um, you know, that speaks directly to you? You know what I mean? Because you guys are an original franchise. You have a lot of long-term fans that I may not have seen in like my past other stops in my career. So it's getting to know that every fan base is so different. Mm-hmm. So like, keep engaging, keep commenting, like stuff. I try and always like, you know, make sure like the cultural references are there the old school references are there you know from like dog so to other things like sometimes i turn around and ask you know one of the guys here jeff or somebody like hey what does that mean you know what i mean like i don't i don't get it you know there's like a lot of funny stories that like unveil themselves you know fangoso you know what i mean like those types of things are like the little references from like a little bit long ago where i'm like oh wow that's pretty neat you know what i mean so like try and stay there Who's this Houche guy, and why Why does it matter that he scored? Like, stuff yes. like that. Like, I got you. That's one. Well, that's one. Well, the, the thing I'm trying to get to is, like, maybe we need to move to, like, a former Revs hashtag definitively. <laughs> because there's a lot of, like, former guys where I'm like, that was, like, a long time ago, and he really didn't do much. Like, got to get him out of the hashtag. You know what I mean? That's like, so- yeah, go former Revs, and we'll keep a column there and stuff like that. Like, I've seen some other fan bases where they put, like, an X in front of their 
hashtag so that you always know like if this guy's talked about it's x something yeah real quick before we jump to the next question too yeah as far as on on twitter i've been noticing a lot the i think the new thing to do is for people to go on and comment small club and i don't understand it but when I'm seeing people comment small club, all that tells me is that we're a big enough club to like have to be attacked like that. I don't know if you see it the same way, but when I see it, I'm like, uh, I guess, you know, the revs are making waves. I do. I think, you know, uh, I don't really understand the references because there are a little bit of trolls um, under some, you know, like I said, even like the follow backs, like on everything or, you know, it could be like the most serious statement we put out and there'll still be like follow back, which I totally get it. It's whatever. But uh, yeah, the small club, totally. Yeah, I mean, if we if we if we were a small club, they wouldn't be saying that. So we are massive. I was gonna ask you if you have to read all of the comments on every post. I think you kind of went into that a little bit with the mute button comment and the mini NSA comment. I got a really good visual of of your. Yeah. Setup. To be fair though, I'm a I'm a single guy, pretty young. Uh, so I do live on the internet uh, a lot of times. I'm not gonna shy away from that. I think. There's not much that I like to miss. Like I said, one day if I have a family, kids, stuff like that. Like, yeah, totally. Put down the phone, you know, to close your computer. But most of the time, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm online. And this job in general is like a 24-7 hour, uh, 24-7 type job, you know, because there's always something that could happen or somebody could say something on the air that, I, you know, I may want the team to interject with at 10, 11 o'clock at night that, you know may be useful. I do have a question, though, because I saw a thread a few weeks ago that um, you were replying to someone else about getting players to be more active on social media. And I think the Revs were number one in that category of, you know, a certain number of tweets in a certain time span or something like that. Just real quick, this might be an obvious question, but can you explain why you think it's important for players to be on social media and why that's an initiative for you? Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, this is like my calling card a little bit. Um, there is a company, Open Doors, that uh, I think you'll see in the coming years with athletes that are going to be really massive in that space, especially uh, with college athletes now being able to profit off their likeness. But on the our side, right, yeah, super proud little moment there from April 1st. Uh, you know, we have the most engaged guys. I think it's, that was solely Twitter. But I think the modern athlete and I think the most, like, effective way to, like, convey the message of your club and your personal brand is like number one do you have a personal brand do you believe that you have a personal brand i would like to say you do right because i think you know uh you know i envision always right like uh that players would be able to be making money income on the side besides their soccer salary their sports salary in general right so i think as well athletes themselves are becoming and growing into people that like value it and that know and know that space that there's something number one that they're like interested in doing and that number one they're an athlete they have a blue check mark and people want to hear from them people want to know what's going on in their life and I can't frame them uh, from the team channels in the way that they can themselves right so who better to tell you who they are what they like what they eat drink sleep what are some of their things that, uh, you know, you may find out of the blue than them, right? So then the next thing goes to, yes, it is a little bit more work to, like, put assets in their hands, right? So team assets, other things, like, where can where is the happy medium where we can find engagement for the team, 
but also where it benefits their personal brand as well. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm a big fan and I'm a big person of like always retweeting and sharing uh, what players post. Uh, you know, at really any time of the day for any type of different time zone. You know, I think you'll see like, you know, Adam Buxa posts a little bit earlier in the morning because, you know, he's got a big Polish following. You know, I think you'll find that Carlos posts as well. You know what I mean? And there's different times of days that these guys kind of segment and find like max engagement. And uh, yeah, I think um, that's just something that I think everybody you're going to see like move towards. I think in the future, I, I could mm -hmm. be totally wrong. Uh, where like it's an athlete driven perspective and I think you see that a lot in some other sports you know you definitely see that in Europe right where 10-15 minutes after an EPL match ends right Harry Kane's got a, a you know a picture and a you know good message you know on his platform you know what I mean I'm, and I'm sure somebody has them do that whereas in MLS you know a lot of these guys totally control them their accounts themselves mm -hmm. but uh I like to say, like, hey, man, you have a brand, you have a voice, use it in whatever your likes are and your passions are and your sport. And if you do something well, I think you should show it, right? And I think it differs from personality to personality, how they like to talk about themselves or how they don't. You know, some of them are actually really shy in how they talk about themselves. You know, they're like, oh, no, that seems braggadocious. But I'm like, no way. Like, people thought that was so cool. Own it. Yeah. I love how forward thinking that is, too. Sorry, Greg. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and you're, you're talking to someone who had to sit through a corporate social media session yesterday with my company at my day <laughs> right. job. So I'm, I'm curious, like, is there a team, I don't, don't want to say like a seminar or a course or all that, like, is it is it more of an informal, like you encouraging them to post or does the team, like, is it coming from the team perspective or is it something that like you talking to the players type of encouragement? Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure that I think MLS hold symposiums for rookies and stuff like that but i'm i'm not too sure that um uh there's much outside of that so yeah definitely the base the basis that i have with them is totally a one-on-one -on -one encouragement and i totally understand when we have guys that are 30 33 34 that are like hey man that age passed me by i don't really know that i'm gonna jump back into it and i back away and i say hey i, I get it i'll give you some basic stuff if you want to Whereas the other ones, I have certain players that text me right after games. I have certain players that text me five minutes after we walk off the practice field, like, hey, I saw you with the camera. You got me, right? You know what I mean? And I'm like, great, <laughs> awesome. I would so much rather you bother me for, or not even bother me. You message me. You, 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 you call me up and say, like, hey, I need assets because I want to post. Is there is there anyone on the team who lobbies for more camera time? Like, is there anyone who, like, you kind it's of. It's got to be Matt Turner, right? Like, yeah, is, 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 is there someone who you can expect after every game comes up to you and be like, you got this, right? I'll say they're, I'll say they're, they're, they're all great, and I'm not going to give you a political answer. But no, <laughs> I would actually say uh, because I appreciate, uh, you know, how he embraces and he loves his brand. Gustavo Bo yeah. wants all types of content, which is amazing. You know what I mean? And my Spanish is getting to a place where I'm, I'm more and more comfortable with exactly what he asks and helping him craft some captions and stuff but uh yeah he's he's big like goals photos what else you got for me walk-ins you know what i mean and i'm like amen gustavo that's why you have 90,000 followers and you played in some of the biggest competitions in south america that's fascinating to hear and talking about player interactions too 
you got any stories that you can share with us? Like any any wild stories or any interesting stories you want to share about an interaction you've had with a player? Any pranksters? No, to be to be honest, man, this year, like I said, the year has just been, you know, very different. You know what I mean? In terms of when we did start traveling, same day, come back, same night. Uh, and then even now, you know, we, we, we still travel the same day. Um, and then, you know, there's just not a lot of free time, you know, what we do. So it's a lot of been the basis of getting to know some of these guys, um, you know, here at home when we are here in Foxborough. Uh, and chatting with them as they come off the field and stuff like that, or when I'm giving them stuff. But um, now, even in preseason, I think it was all just like it's a very business-like mentality, which is, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, they're 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 you know super fun. You know, they all have like they all get along really well, and I think you hear that in the media and things that are written. We're like, hey, the guys are just super tight. It's a super loose locker room. <clears throat> but yeah, they're they're pretty down to business uh in terms of in terms of that way well you do travel a lot with the team too maybe you haven't traveled so much because of the pandemic and everything but i know you've worked with other clubs in the past too do you have a favorite destination to travel to or a favorite spot to check out besides favorite place yeah of course yeah 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 totally uh <laughs> i actually did visit patriot place a number of times before i joined the club just in a bringing other athletes and uh, being a fan of other clubs in the past. Um, man, where, where have I seen? Where have I haven't seen? You know, the, the past year, yeah, we haven't seen anything. We saw the inside of hotel rooms uh, mm-hmm. and ballrooms for most of the time. Uh, but I do I do really love Denver. I think it's, uh, it's a really fun city to, to visit, to enjoy. It's just beautiful in general. I'm, I'm a big skiing uh, guy as well, so... Uh, you know, being able to go elsewhere in that state and ski is like big bucket list of mine. Uh, more and more for the resorts, but yeah, Denver's super cool. I I, I like the vibe of of uh, that city. I, I love that you said Denver. It's always been one of my bucket list places to visit. So um, now it's I've do just it. bumped it up another notch. So. Gotta do it. <laughs> I, I was gonna say I've been there once. I love that. I need to make it back out there again. Uh, Willie, yeah. do you know about the airport and the conspiracy regarding yeah. the Denver yeah. airport? Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, I, I'm not a conspiracist, but in my younger years, I did read a lot about all of them, right? I think as you're older, you like can debunk some of them pretty easily. But yeah, from the shape yep. to the the goat to everything to the the what was it? The price of the uh, airport to how long it didn't take to get done uh yeah i think it's like super fascinating story if anybody wants to go down that rabbit hole it's fun for like one night or two when i walk through it you don't really see any of the telltale signs i look for it the once or twice that i've been and i'm like man this like tiktoker youtuber like maybe oversold the paintings and stuff on the wall where i'm like i don't i don't see it <laughs> I, I uh, I'm with you where I like I like con- I like lighthearted conspiracies conspiracies that are like harmless so to speak you know yeah. I don't go down like certain rabbit holes but um, that is by far my favorite conspiracy and anytime anyone brings up Denver I have to ask about the airport to see if they know what I'm talking about I mean the thing that gets me is like the horse because like you read about it like yeah. the statue outside is, and, yeah. and I read about it I'm like ah, I don't know and then you see like what the horse looks like and you're like oh this place is possessed like there's <laughs> something shady going on here like yeah this doesn't add up at all so 
Sorry, no, hearing, hearing all this without any context, it's you just, just gotta go out. My head is spinning right now. Well, you know, you know, in the age of TikTok, which became popular what is, during what is that? What's <laughs> yeah? I mean, you you have kids. I think they may they may have made their way onto it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But uh, you know, it, it, it I was a staunch like anti TikToker like at the beginning of the pandemic because I was like, nah, no way, like. People are just dancing, doing other things, whatever. No way. That's not going to be me. And then I think like midway, I'm like middle of the night, late night. <laughs> what what am I scrolling on TikTok? Oh, man, you know, this stuff is so funny. And it's got a crazy accurate algorithm. So like that's what I think is just like unreal. And I'm like, wow, it has so many of my interests. One after one after one after one. And it's like you can't quit it. But you can find a real easy synopsis of the Denver airport on TikTok with like two or three explainer videos as opposed to like documentaries on YouTube. All right. I'll fire up my old my old TikTok account. And check it out. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to let you know, Willie, we just made an Instagram for the uh, podcast. So we're I, I said we're joining 2015. So awesome. just to give you an idea of how far behind we are in technology. Yeah. Like it's okay, though. What I say, what I say to even some of these guys that like are like dude, man, you're on social a lot. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in it. I like it. I love it. I totally get it. Like you players, you are to be the best on the field. Don't spend all the time in the world like I do on social media. So you guys have other lives and jobs. You know what I mean? If this wasn't my job, I don't know that I would be on it as much. We, we more or less just spend our time on Twitter and MySpace, to be honest with you. So it's just <laughs> yeah. different forms. But anyway, I digress. But who's still on AIM? So. But who is your one friend on Facebook? I hope you have, what is it? Uh, it's not Todd, right? Who is it? Oh, on Tom. MySpace. Oh, um, Tom, yeah. Tom, yeah. Tom. Yeah, exactly. As long as he's on your friend list, that's it. He's he was on one of my top eight. Top eight. Yeah. <laughs> top eight. <laughs> we, dated, we both dated ourselves. That's embarrassing. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we can leave that one there. Um, you mentioned earlier that you're an avid kit collector. Off the top of your head, what are your top three kits, oh. either that you own or of all time? Oh I'll man, well, I'm, I'll wearing, you that. I'm wearing a uh, Mexican national team one here, Adidas. Um, I don't know if this is unpopular, but I am like a El Tri national team before I am a men's national team. I am Mexican, and my dad is Irish, but. Um, and the Irish team is not one to really root for. Or... Nah, Ireland is it is what it is. But uh, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not big into the European game so so much. But yeah, yeah, Eltree is definitely. I've had some great great younger memories like like ever seeing now with like Chicharito, Guillermo Ochoa, Cordado against Donovan Dempsey. Like those were like the masterful Gold Cup matches, Gold Cup finals. You know, uh, Azteca crazy type stuff. But to answer your question, um, man, I got I got a lot of kits. Uh, and like I said the other night, I I, I got to plug my my buddy's shop, Galaco Kits. Uh, he's got one. Uh, it's online only, but it's got the most rare and well-priced uh, jerseys as opposed to, like, some of the other outfitters that are really expensive for, like, yeah, yeah, you ain't ever getting me to pay $300 for any vintage kit. You know what I mean? I just think that's, like, sacrilegious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I got a what is it, Kansas City Wizards from like I don't know one of the early years. Uh, 
and it was kind of cool. Like, I think I showed Teal Bunbury that, and he was like, oh, wow, yeah. He's like, I may have even worn that back in the day. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, he was like, so So that was like a cool, that one of my other ones, um, I think I have a, I, what is it, a um, Tajikistan, which is a tiny little country on borders uh, Russia and China. Um, yeah, I have one friend who's from there, and they didn't believe that I knew where it was. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 I have your national team kit. And I, they were like, we don't even own that. You know, but it <laughs> is, so that's a cool one. Um, I don't know that I'm, I have like a ton of like really cool ones to other people. I think in like the times of life, they're just like impulse purchases with stories that like, I just watch a YouTube documentary on something from this country so i grabbed a kit from it you know that came across at a sale or clearance price um and then i think you see recently i'm a big uh i think like clearance shopper and tj maxx ross even like a goodwill i'll go and i'll really anywhere that i'm at and i want to kill time i'm like let's see if i can uncover some soccer jersey here like you know in a different state different zip code that totally doesn't belong here but for like a really discounted price and i'll just wear it to wear it i got some really cool like folded teams from like the nasl stuff like that it's like a my first team that i really worked for rio okc it has like a rainbow slash kit yeah uh, where every uh stripe represented like a different initiative from like domestic violence against homophobia um hunger shortage like they all had great messaging, similar to what they do in, in Madrid, in Vallecas. Um, so that's like a real, real gem uh, that like Giorgio Samaras signed for me as well. He's somebody I worked with in the past. So that one I don't wear. It just sits in the closet. But I'm not, like I've gotten a couple offers where I'm like, nah, you ain't getting that. Well, thank you for jumping into all those kits. Uh, I think they were all pretty pretty good ones. I My personal favorite, I think, has got to be – it's. A new one, Forward Madison's drip kit, uh, which they're, one they're, of the few ones that I had to buy. Yeah, they're cutting edge, man. They're cutting edge. I mean, they, I don't know how many they really produce, but to be able to say that like I made 500 and we sold out, like it's just the, the hunger that keeps you all coming back for more. You know what I mean? Because like oh, yeah. they all hit, they all sell out, and they can keep making more. You know, they have probably have a great relationship with their distributor and provider and. I think that's the beauty of like lower league soccer too, where you just get to do whatever you want. All right. So uh, taking a quick left turn here, I have to ask, I know you like homemade pizzas and being from New Jersey, uh, you take your pizza very seriously. Yeah. What are your go-to toppings? What makes the perfect slice? Oh man, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to tell on myself here though. Uh, We actually have a decent amount of New Jerseyans in the, revs front office so this it's kind of funny this is a conversation that we we do don't have sometimes but uh <laughs> i am a big buffalo chicken slice and i think that get, gets me excommunicated some places <laughs> but you know in a little college towns that i grew up next to go down to the little shop get a slice let me get a buffalo chicken slice now when my friends come from out of town or family visits from other countries I stick them to like a margarita pizza and I'm like, no, I become a purist. And I say, you have to get a margarita pizza, only one topping, this and that. Don't defile <laughs> what, you know, don't, there's no thing, no such thing as meat lovers. Um, but 
I, I'm actually a huge uh, prosciutto and arugula. If I could have like one pizza to die for, me and Stanley Tucci, we're going to get uh, prosciutto and arugula on a regular uh, margarita pie. Uh, that sounds like a great pizza, by the way. And um, if you haven't watched Stanley Tucci on CNN, it's a great uh, tour Italy show. Great tour Italy show. My wife, actually, we were talking about our next trip, and she's saying Italy specifically because of yep. Stanley Tucci. He, he's so, like I, the um, he's like taking the mantle from uh, Bourdain. Uh, yeah, Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. So like, I, I I really feel that type of aura a little bit. When he brings me somewhere, he brings me to this little place off the coast, sits down with the grandmother of 55 years who's been making pasta, and they just feast together. <laughs> well, one more question on the pizza front. We did have, like I said earlier, we had John Bell on the podcast recently, and we asked him, pineapple on pizza. His answer, never. Good. What about you? Great kid. Great, great kid. <laughs> uh, never, ever. Oh ever it is a, a sin uh yeah I, i'm actually one of the only ones who uh is anti-pineapple in my office directly so you do have some advocates if you are pineapple lovers i'm uh, pro pineapple are, yes are you willing yeah. to go on the record and rat out who is pro pineapple within the revolution or are you going to leave that, leave that confidence? i don't know there's tweets out there uh, this oh. has been a discourse that's been had but no i think i'm the only anti-pineapple uh, in the immediate uh, digital department. Interesting. So that, I don't know. I'm, I'm not writing out anybody. Okay. Okay. Uh, speaking of New Jersey, um, I think I'm legally required to ask you, is your favorite musical artist Bruce Springsteen or Bon Jovi? I, I, I'm, I'm a bit young, so I'm, I'll say Bruce. I love Bruce. Uh but I'm, I did not grow up listening to that much of those guys. Uh, and I'm in North Jersey, pretty young. You know, even my dad was not that big a rock fan. So That's but all I really know about New Jersey. So that's me trying to relate. I guess it was a swig and a miss. But You got to follow. If you really want to relate to New Jersey, you have to follow uh, NJGov uh, Twitter. <laughs> I follow that, yes. They, they will, they will ha- help you know New Jersey things more so than i think anybody else could ever educate you on it's the only state i follow and it's just because they're so they're they've 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 changed the game in how you communicate with like statewide things definitely tons of comedy tons of like cultural stuff but like even the most serious stuff i go like oh great like when is this reopening when is that like i can find it all on there whereas we all know if we go to like a state website it's like wordpress 1994 and you don't know where anything is well greg and i know how to navigate that (laughs) uh i do want to get a quick story from you because i was listening to a podcast another podcast that uh you talked about your story about how you landed your first internship do you mind repeating that story for our listeners because i think it's a a pretty insane story about how you got started at rayo okc yeah Yeah, i'll try i'll try i'll try and keep it short um but yeah, I was uh, finishing my college in Arkansas, uh, graduated, was running, uh, and there's another little pizza caveat, was running like a handmade pizza, Italian, fine dining restaurant with a guy from Brooklyn uh, <clears throat> who just happened to be down there and never, never cooked or made pizza before. So he was giving it a whirl. Now it's like a five-star restaurant, maybe approaching there in Arkansas Hot Springs. 
so yeah, it was like two Northeast guys where we were like just learning on the fly. I was running the restaurant. He was making the dough, and we were killing it. Now it's super, super popular. Um, so when that, you know, in the hospitality industry, it was coming to like an end for me where I was like, all right, I graduated. Like, you know, I got to get my start in the world, right? It was a, a good paying job uh, in terms of like tips and running the restaurant, you know, small, really, like, you know, four or five person staff, you know, and we were doing well. But um, I, I kind of finally went and I was like, wow, like, you know, I love soccer. You know, I got into it. I never played it growing up, you know, small caveat. I don't know how I never did, you know, with my background, ethnicity and stuff like that. But yeah, I was like, all right, well. You know, I think soccer will be less competitive to get into as a career, more so than if I wanted to go work for the Mets or the Giants or the Patriots or the Red Sox. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants to work there, but does everybody want to work for uh, name that name that club? Mm. Um, so uh, I I was uh, in Arkansas, and the nearest like professional soccer team was Oklahoma City, and I was like, well, you know, I have like a nice little um, Ford Focus uh cheap on gas uh basically like one straight shot to oklahoma city so you know same thing it was their first year as a team i emailed some email i found off the website and was like hey uh just graduated college or about to i you know would really need the experience you know to put on my resume and i really like soccer um you know do you guys need help on game days and i think like um most people my age or, or how most of us really come into the sports industry as we get a game day operations type of internship, right? Where it's all manual labor, you're setting up chairs all day, putting things on chairs, uh, putting flags up, zip tying them, wherever. So I was like, cool, let me go. Uh, so I would take off, uh, you know, Saturday, the restaurant, and I would get up in the morning, drive, I think, what is it, five, six in the morning. It was a five hour flat trip. Uh, you know, I think it's like 200 miles, one road, I-40, straight into Oklahoma City, and they played out out in the suburbs a little bit, Yukon, Oklahoma. And yeah, I got there, get a coffee, get some breakfast, whatever, you know, and then you know, work, do all day, you know, say, hey, I'm here to get involved, make an impression, show you my work ethic, blah blah blah. So yeah, we did that, and then you know, as a, as a couple more games were happening. You know, and then I would drive back right after the game, too. So 7 o'clock game, whatever, 9 o'clock, and I would be like, well, I got to be back. I got to open up the restaurant Sunday morning because, again, it was like, hey, you know, I'll do that. You know, I got to tell my boss that I still have some, like, dedication of some sort uh, to him and to the restaurant. So that's what I would do. You know, um, I wasn't a huge coffee guy back in the day, so five-hour energies were the thing to do back in the day. Um and then I did have, honestly, like enough side cash to like be able to pull off and rent a hotel room if I really need to. But I was a college student, so I was like, no way. I can like, you know, go through the back roads in Arkansas at three o'clock in the morning, get home at four, take a four or five hour, you know, hours of sleep, get up, open the restaurant, do Sunday, whatever, go to school Monday. But like I said, it's super nuts. I don't know that you're going to find somebody as silly <laughs> as, as me to do that and then obviously um i think we've uh, grown into the era of like paid internships and that it's more appropriate and like it's a highly competitive industry to get into so like i don't know don't break your back and do that but as i said it's a great story made for a fun time and then 
doing all that, there was like a little seismic shift in the organization between like Spain ownership and the American ownership where, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stories in NASL for you soccer lovers back in the day that no longer lives. But yeah, the seismic shift, American ownership stopped paying the bills, left it to the Spain ownership who just got relegated from La Liga. And they were like, well, what are we going to do? So a bunch of people left. And then, um, you know, I had been doing some live tweeting on the side. Even as an intern, I worked my way up and said, like, hey, you guys don't, like, tweet that much. Like, let me do it from the sideline. You know what I mean? Live tweeting, no video, unless I captured it on my phone. Some, like, simple intern type stuff. But I did it. I got good enough at it. And then the Spanish guys were like, hey, like, do you um, do, do you want a job? They are like, uh, you seem to, like, do this. Like, you crazily drive all this way. Um, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, so just to have like a paid gig on my resume. And I moved to Oklahoma City like two weeks later. We finished out the season, got eliminated by the Cosmos in the playoffs, I think four or five months later. And then two weeks later, you're you're done. That's it. Help come clean up the office and uh, we're getting out of town. So uh, really cool first life experience as a 20, 21-year-old. I, I would never trade that for the world, and I think that's, like, uh, super funny. I survived all five hours each way, but it turned into something, and I showed that, and that was, like, the springboard, I would say, for uh, what I do now. That's, a, that's an incredible story, and, yeah, it <laughs> certainly showed a lot of dedication. I, I tip the cap to you for – hopefully you had a good radio station in uh, Arkansas and Oklahoma. I'm a, I'm a big – I'm a big um, – I do, like, dance house music a little bit, so I found like all the DJs that do hour-long podcasts every week. So like Tiesto and these other guys, they put out an hour-long mix every week. And to this day, I only subscribe to like five or six of them. But there is absolutely five hour-long mixes, yeah. and I'm bumping the whole time. Five-hour energy, cruise control. You know what I mean? Like, and that's it. That is that is what it was. <laughs> Kept you awake for the ride back too. I'm sure. The only other thing I know about Rayo OKC2 is the story about the turf. Uh, were you yeah. there for that? Were you the guy that found that showed up and found half the field missing? Uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. That is um, my early years, too, doing a little PR for them as well. And I immediately just called the guy from the league, and I'm like, hey, um, like half the turf is gone, and I have a game in a couple days, so like, I don't, I don't really know what to do. Like you got, you guys have to handle that. Um, and I think, not, I think it's so far removed, but I think the league ended up paying the owner to make sure that he brought it back because he like stored it at his house. Uh, he's a pretty rich guy on his ranch or something. So they had to pay him like a couple thousand dollars to bring the semi truck and unload it uh, <laughs> with the guys so that we could play the game. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was super. It was like, you know, I just had to deflect, deflect, deflect. There's a couple people asking, and I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like, you have to ask the league. That, that's was, oh, that's trial by fire too, because that made national news. For those that don't know, the yeah. American owner, I think it was the American owner and the Spanish owners had a conflict, and the American owner had purchased half the field, and he yeah. was looking for some assurance. Yeah. Basically. Pulled he, when he didn't hear back, he pulled it up and he stored it in his. Like, it, it was he was lease he was leasing it, okay. and he didn't own the next turf, and basically he heard a rumor that 
the Spanish ownership wanted to sell the turf, which whatever was like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, to pay for some bills because the American owner pulled out or whatever or something. And uh, even though they really weren't going to do that and they were just going to try and play on the football field, uh, which like wasn't allowed and somehow it got misconstrued. And that's why he's like, well, you ain't selling all of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to take half of it and make sure that, you know, you you don't sell it. So it's such a wild thought process to say, I'm just going to take up half the half the damn field. I mean, well, 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 it was stored at the high school that we played at. So all it was was they just basically broke into the high school or had a key. Some of the ops people they had oh. a semi truck pull up, and you know there was forklifts and other things that these guys had, and was like, well, let's just put all these pallets up on the truck. Bing, bing, couple hours, and we saw the video, which was kind of funny. We <laughs> saw the recording from the high school a couple weeks later, and we were like, wow, this is funny. Like they really came out here at one o'clock in the morning and got it. I was going to say, I reread the story last night to make sure it was Radio OKC, and I, I forgot the detail that they did it in the dead of night. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It brings back, I, like, yeah. Baltimore cult flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, that whole saga was, like, there were so many dramatic things in my first couple months doing this job. Uh, even when, like, uh, Alessandro Nesta, like, a very famous Italian defender for, I don't know, AC Milan or something, uh our our general manager came down and like slapped them in the game because he heard them like cursing at fans so they got into like a physical altercation and the general manager got like arrested and taken out of the stadium it was pretty great first couple months so like the turf that it was great it was like wild it was wild it was a wild ride uh willie i think sometime we're gonna have to bring you back on we're just gonna have to do a rayo okc i would love to there's never been a true expose there's um one book by like a Vallecca Spanish writer where I gave him like a an hour long interview for like one little chapter about the American project because it was very, very much hated in Spain because it's a team that's like floundering. Um, you know, it's always up and down, relegated uh, and promoted. So it's like you don't even have the money to fund this NASL team. Um, but that's the only real expose we really had. But uh I always love to talk about the lower leagues and the teams that don't exist and the Cosmos and all that sort of stuff. I do want to ask you, actually, it kind of leads into my next question. How different is it, you know, working on social media, working in MLS? Because you worked with the Red Bulls, too, I believe. Um, yep. How different is it working uh, from the social media side in MLS compared to other leagues? Like, is there a different approach? Do you market yourself differently? Is or How similar is it? Like, what's the comparison between the two? Yeah, that's a good question. Um I think from market to market, from team to team, from league to league, everybody has totally different goals and expectations, right? I think, you know, even when you come from, like in certain cities in this country, the MLS team is the main attraction in town. In the Boston market, in the New York market, you know what I mean? Like MLS is is not the premier thing to do on the weekend. Uh, you know, in a, in a normal year, there's 11, 12 things. There's plays, there's baseball, there's there's really anything. You know, there's Martha's Vineyard. You know, like I said, uh, I, I haven't lived here that long. But um, I think that's just where you go from, from market to market. There's just different objectives, right? I think when you're in, uh, and I, this is why I have such like an affinity for, for Revs 2 and development, is because I worked really closely with Red Bull 2 for the first year. 
that I was there with John Wolniak, probably the most, the best developer of that type of talent mm-hmm. to promote. You know, I think he's promoted 13, 14 guys to the first team, and you see them all still playing mostly in MLS around here. Tyler Adams, first guy. Where, yeah, like, you know, when you do that, the objective is not to sell tickets. The objective is not to sell merch. The objective is to storytell about development. Mm-hmm. They obje- and, and if they just so happen to be good on the field, absolutely celebrate it. We went to conference finals. They won MLS. They won USL Cup. Uh, you know, we played Louisville three times in a row in the USL Eastern Conference Final. You know what I mean? And you were like, well, dang it. Like, why? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure the league doesn't like that there's reserve teams there doing that. But you know what I mean? Like, that was the, the fun part of, like, great. They have a system. They have a way. And you're still winning, right? So what differs from from time to time is totally just like what the market is, what are the objectives, what you are now, and like whereas here I think we do want to be talked about as like the fifth cog in the wheel of Boston sports, and I think you know you got to win. I think with any market, and you know even more so here with just title town, uh, and I think you you will see that. So that's the that's the cool part about being here and. Um, you know what we get to do and and red bull like i said during my time there was like jesse marsh best team in mls ever at the time you know what mm-hmm. i mean like a uh, supporter shield Concacaf champions league final all that type of stuff like that was a cool ride and i think that's even times up with like jesse marsh and possibly his next destination and i'm like that's awesome you know what i mean like to be a part of that and see where he's gonna hopefully be now it's like yeah. Hell yeah, he's one of the better coaches that I've ever worked with, and uh, he deserves he deserves that. I, I do have a question. Do you? I, I think you said at the beginning you post 99% of the stuff on the Rev social channels. Do you have to run certain things by the higher ups, or do you have free reign? Like I know last year in the playoffs, you you did a lot of bragging, like after the Philadelphia and Orlando games, uh, and you you killed it by the way. Applaud <laughs> there, but. Um, has anyone ever come to you and they're like, hey, like, I know you're embarrassing Philadelphia pretty badly, but can you take it down a notch? Like, is there any, like, feedback um, that or? I think there's a fine line of trust and there's totally, like, a don't go overboard in really mm-hmm. any way, in any day, in any post. I have personal rules for myself where I don't like to dunk on legends of the sport, even if they're ending their career here. I don't see that as like truly beneficial for God forbid if they want to come back and join an organization here. People remember that like no way you embarrassed me and called me some retirement player when I was 37. Like no way do I want to be involved with your organization. I never want social media to be the job to be the reason why you know a legend of the sport doesn't want to come back here or be a part of a specific uh, organization. And I actually did learn some hard knocks uh, in my younger years with, um, you know, uh, Red Bull 2. And this is a story where this is when they're playing FC Cincinnati. There was 30,000 fans there. And I think it was like the the week, I think Red Bull 2 beat them the first time in the season. Red Bull knocked them out of the Open Cup. It was like the latest uh open cup run cincinnati a couple years ago super awesome where they're beating two or three mls teams and we beat them in stoppage time there in, in cincinnati and then i think uh shortly after that i may have tweeted like 
hey, you know, we do have a U23 team if you want to play them uh, from the Red Bull 2 account. And um, I think when we went there, it was the 30,000 fans there, electric, right, at that stadium. Uh, And I think there was like eight yellow cards in the first half. And the and the broadcaster screen and I deleted the tweet within like an hour because I was like, ooh, it's a little inappropriate. I did get a message saying like, ah, that was a little much. Uh, you know, don't like dance in their grave like that. So there was eight yellow cards, all from Cincinnati on Red Bull players. The broadcaster posted the screenshot saying like how disrespectful it was, how it was locker room material all week long. And then post-game, when I got down there, uh, the coach of Cincinnati, who I'll leave unnamed, told John Wolniak, like, who posted that, man? Like, he's got no class at all, man. He doesn't even deserve to have that job, blah, blah, blah. And John Wolniak is not on social media at all. So when we get back up there, he goes, what did you post on social media that this guy was so mad talking to me about it after they won? And they won 4-2 Cincinnati. Scored, like, three bangers. Like, it was, like electric but like you know they got back up there and i was and i like told him what i did and he was like you're an idiot he's like you shouldn't do that and i was like yeah i'm sorry like i was definitely the cause of like lots of yellow cards and like that so i I always just pull back and i say like hey like i don't ever really want to be that way and then um yeah i think when it comes to last year we just you know i think i we we did some stuff with philly because totally you 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 had no reason to pick the Revs, you know what I mean? Like in reality, you 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 didn't beat them five times, so like of course you know. So you know I always keep a notebook of trash talk from some pundits or wherever it is in in the mainstream MLS. But all that to say is that no, like when it is something iffy, it's always to the top. Let me ask. Uh, and then there's some things where I'm like, hey, this is in jest. This is playing off their you know, tagline for the playoffs, like, let me hold, let me hold this, you know what I mean? Uh, but I, it is all a collaboration, to be fair. Um, some, It's not all, I don't get all the credit. Uh, I do run some things by people and they feedback and they're like, maybe this is better. So I'm glad they're remember. I'm glad they're things that you guys remember, which is, uh, I guess, which got the goal. And then I'm always in analytics. I'm a guy, I'm a guy who does numbers. So if those overperform and people remember it, then I think they did okay. I'm not trying to, uh, uh, you know, make you feel like you went overboard because Philadelphia certainly was engaging in that kind of like rivalry too. And I feel like last year, you know, I don't think Philadelphia and New England is exactly like hated rivals for years, but it seemed like it last year since we were always against them. So um, that's yeah, a, I, that's the thing too, where it's like we don't really have a rivalry mm-hmm. on the internet. So uh, and you know, and I don't like you know fabled created ones that you know aren't really realistic but i'm like hey man like maybe we should bring back like the fire rivalry can we go at them you know like what what like you know what can we do to like really make things and i just think um uh i think obviously the philly the the time the amount of times y'all played each other definitely fired it up a little bit and there are times too where i'm a pretty open guy where there's things where i'll show players and i'll be like hey I'm, I may go at them like this, and they're like, no, 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 do it after. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because sometimes, again, I learned the lesson where I, I don't really want to be the reason why somebody gets a really hard foul and their, you know, shins are bleeding because I made fun of them on social media. You know what I mean? Like, there are just, like, 
fine lines of knowing the psyche of athletes as best you can. And then going to some of the older guys and being like, hey, like, what do you think? Like, you're, you know, and if it doesn't resonate with them, then I go like, eh, maybe it's not the best. Have you ever been on the flip side where, like, a coach has come to you and has said, find me bulletin board material? Like, did, has that ever happened to you? No. No? Uh, you, you'll be surprised. Most most coaches don't care uh, about social media really that much. Um, also, I have to ask you this. That tweet uh, from January that was just a photo of Carly's heel. Very nice. What was that about? Can you – there's a lot of – I mean – Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, glad to, I'm glad to clear this one up because – I actually tweeted that photo like two or three other times, but you guys didn't notice. Uh, so, <laughs> so like reality, I do like the picture. I did. Um, it was definitely more a crest oriented post. Okay. Uh, and I think the timing of it, because again, I'm like, a, I'll post things in the moment if something else happens and see if like people correlate it. Um, but it was, it was about the Chicago rebrand. Uh, or about some logo talk about keeping it or moving it or they were doing this or they were doing that. And uh, I think there was like maybe some like, I don't know, Ives Galarsep or somebody in the soccer media that asked like, what's the best logo? And like, I just made sure that I put it out there and see if like it popped into like the algorithm or the like conversation bar of some of these people so that people would grab it and be like, oh, the, the crane flag is the best one. <laughs> that's really it nothing else behind it uh but i did get a kick out of uh the rumor mill for you guys well it, it's the off season too and so you know we had to we had to kick up some rumors totally, uh, totally. another thing from the off season was the announced john bell movement which i know you are very well aware of i'm, I'm sure that didn't have anything to actually do with the signing but i like to take credit for it yeah uh, how much do the team does the team pay attention to fan reaction fan engagement like did that i don't want to say like did that put john bell on the map or anything like that but does that sort of buzz i want to say make noise within the front office do you know what i'm trying to say like yeah i don't um i think the sporting department here is completely separate and void of anything that happens with the digital department uh so i don't know that they would even know what announced john bell means uh like when you yeah when you posted that video like did like if someone showed that to Bruce, would he have no idea what it announced John Bell is? Like maybe that's a better way of putting it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, not 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 at all, not at all there. But it, it was like I said, I wanted to grab that moment and say like, all right, great. Like it's a again, if I wasn't tuned into what you guys were doing, then I wouldn't have like really gotten how that spawned from uh you know, really anywhere. So I was like, let's just compile a bunch of the tweets, throw it in and be silly about it. You know what I mean? Like if you're not enjoying the internet, like why, you know what I mean? Get off of it. Why you here? Yeah. How has working in sports impacted you as a fan? Do you view sports any differently now that you're kind of on the business organization side of things? Yeah, big time. Uh, I do not really become a fan. I, I hope for positive results because it helps my job do better uh, in social in general, whereas, you know, analytics, I think, are just pretty simple, right? If you lose, you get less. If you win, you get more. If it's a boring draw, same. If it's an exciting draw, maybe a little bit more. But my basis is totally, like, you're there to do a job, do a job, storytell as best you can, empower athletes, 
but don't live and die by results. There's nothing I, I, in my early career, I used to live and die by some of them. And my work would be affected by a loss, right? And I think that's a little amateur. So now I go into it where like, absolutely, I want a good result. Uh, but if we don't, I'm still going to tell some certain stories uh, the best we can. And then there's also times on the internet where it's be totally silent, man. Like you, you lost, it's 5 nothing. Just you don't have to post anything, I promise. Final uh, opponent five, rev zero. Yeah. 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 And I think, look, I think there's some times where depending how sensitive or not the fan base is, you can add a little bit of commentary, you know what I mean? Like pain or something relative to modern, uh, you know, vernacular, but like, don't, don't do it in a way where it offend the players if they saw it too. Like, yeah. Why are they? Why is the team dunking on us? Yeah. Like, if you can tell the emotion from the team account, like, yes, we all feel the same exact way. Somebody say it for us, and the team does it, and then you cut it off. Then I think it's appropriate. But it's it's definitely a fan base to fan base thing. Before we let you go, Willie, I got one last question for you, and it's a question that's you know at least everyone that's on the Twitter hashtag it's really burning burning a hole in all our brains. Who is burner account sixty nine four twenty? No clue. No clue. <laughs> it's got to drive you crazy a little bit, right? No, not me. Like I said, it's just someone maybe higher up. Control thing. It's like, oh well, yeah. well, whatever. It's not a lot out there, so. But it's not you. We can rule you out. <laughs> yeah, you can take <laughs> me out of the hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Willie, thank you so much for uh, for taking your time and. Uh, being so open with us we've really enjoyed uh, getting to talk to you and if you have anything else you wanted to say or anything you just wanted to pro- promote before we let you go um the floor is yours yeah uh once again thanks guys for having me on really fun time sorry if i ramble a little bit you know listen to it in 1.5 but yeah uh like i said follow the team any revolution my personal um i'm a little bit all, all over the place sports politics a lot of other things but uh, white law 827 like white claw without the c that's the best way for you to find me instagram twitter yeah and like i said uh super enjoyable uh thanks for like all your likes and retweets and sharing of, of content and yeah i, I hope to uh said talk to you guys again you know, hopefully with some really really positive uh results as well thank you so much willie